This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Dittman Research. Do you know what the most valuable thing in the world is? High-quality information. Because high-quality information informs much better decision-making. Dittman Research has been providing high-quality information to Alaska's leading businesses, organizations, and campaigns for 50 years. Do you really know what Alaskans think about your company or your issue? How about your clients, your shareholders, or your employees? So stop fumbling around in the dark. Hire Dittman Research and find out what's really going on. DittmanResearch.com Welcome to uh, Landmine Live. This is the first of many more live streams we're going to be doing this summer and then throughout the fall at our new studio here in Anchorage. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the, the really hot housing market in Anchorage and Alaska, the price of commodities, lumber, low interest rates, and the combination of all these things that are making the house of, price of houses high and the demand being very high as well. So um, we're joined by three great folks I'm going to introduce in one second. But first, I want to thank GCI for being our sponsor. Uh, if you need internet, let me tell you, GCI, we have gigabit internet here. It's so fast. I'm actually kind of scared to get on my computer. It's so fast. It's a gigabit. It just it just po- peaks right over when you do the speed test. It's really good. So GCI, cell phones, internet, um, TV, all the things. Uh, we want to thank GCI for being our sponsor. Um, today we're joined by um, Eric Visser from Visser Construction. He's a Anchorage builder and also the president of the Anchorage Home Builders Association. Correct. Right? Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad you're here. Uh, we have July Leslie with Elite Real Estate Group. You've been a real estate agent for 17 years, right, here in Anchorage? Yep. Happy to have you here. And Thank we have uh, Brett Watson from University of Alaska, the Institute of Social and Economic Research, an economist. That's right. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. PhD, right? Yeah. Yeah. Colorado School of Mines. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. So um, I want to start with you, Brett. You know, there's like low interest rates. The COVID happened. We're seeing these huge prices um, and, and really high demand. What's going, what's going on? What's, what's happening? Yeah. So James Carville used to have the saying back in the 90s that, you know, it's the economy stupid. Uh, well, I think that it's pretty safe to say that it's, it's COVID stupid, right? Um, so, you know, there were just a bunch of factors that kind of combined. I mean, COVID, COVID has affected everything, right? Um, and, uh, you know, you go back to March and uh, the world's kind of shutting down. Um, I think that, you know, what happened to a lot of people is that they just got juked. Um, the economy kind of juked people. Right. Um, So a lot of producers, factories, manufacturers, home builders, they probably thought things were going to be a lot worse than they ended up being. Um, And so they kind of planned for one one outcome. And the economy ended up actually going the other direction, thanks to a lot of federal support, you know, things that the state, local and federal governments are doing. The pandemic, I think, ended up not being quite as bad as people thought it was going to be just because of some of the actions that people took and some of the characteristics of the virus itself. But anyway, yeah, all these forces kind of combined. You know, demand would, you know, went through the roof and supply had kind of cut itself off and now it's kind of struggling to, to catch back up. So I, I don't know, that kind of, I think it takes us to where we are today is supply trying to, to catch up to where, where demand has been. So Eric, I want to ask you, you're a builder. Yep. During the COVID, did you not do as much building um, as you had planned or? Um, yeah, most definitely. I think I was in the uh, environment that I thought things were going to slow down pretty dramatically. So, you know, when COVID started in February, March, you start planning for, you know, what you're going to build that summer, um, signing contracts for those that summer work. Uh, I was fortunate, fortunate enough to have some really good contracts with um, clients that were out of the state, uh, bigger remodel projects. So I had the ability to keep my crew busy. They could go to a home where there wasn't somebody staying there and living there. We didn't have to worry about so many COVID precautions. Um, so they were able to you know, maintain full employment. Uh, but that 
that point in time where I said, okay, we're not going to do any specs. Um, we're going to kind of scale back on what we're doing from a home building perspective. Uh, that definitely hurt us come May, June when house, housing prices just went crazy. People wanted to start buying everything that was available. Um, so it was just, it really only took a couple of months for things to change pretty dramatically. One of the big factors nationwide here in Alaska as well mm -hmm. is the price of lumber. Mm -hmm. We keep hearing a lot about it. it's up 300% or 400%. Um, how's that affecting you right now in your in your building? Yeah, so lumber prices have definitely driven up the cost of homes um, quite substantially. I think uh, there there's a few different prongs that played into that uh, issue. Um, one was all the mills shutting down when COVID happened. People just weren't able to go and actually produce the lumber and the OSB that was required. Uh, the other thing that happened was later on in 2020, we had that big winter storm that went through Texas. Um, shut a bunch of the refineries down that had a big impact on resins and glues which kind of you know is a big portion of the OSB production and doors and that sort of thing um, so all those factors compounding on themselves has really driven up costs just you know in the beginning part of 21 pretty dramatically so July you were showing me on that um, graph there that there was yeah. a huge amount of houses sold in the end of 2020 the in second Anchorage. half yeah the second half yeah when it so March March April into May um, literally like 90 some percent of my clients called me and said no we're not gonna list our house or take it off the market or no we don't want to go look and I really thought I thought it was gonna be much worse than it ended up being too I thought okay I'm not really gonna work much this year oh well you know make some other plans I, um, I flew my niece up and we did all kinds of fun stuff and then all of a sudden like around July June July my phone was ringing off the hook, um, which was just so odd. So the, com so, so the combination of the, the low supply, I guess, also these really low interest rates. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. looking at, I have, a three and a, I have a three and a quarter on a 30 year loan for my condo. And I was just looking, I could go to two and a quarter at 15 years. Yeah. So the rates are lower than they've been. The last time they were this low, I think was probably, you know, around the economic, after the economic crash in 09, rates went way down. Yeah, I think they're actually lower now, but yeah. Right, they're, yeah. they're, they're even lower. Yeah. So you were saying earlier that, that you're having a problem with, there's so many people that make an offer on a place. Yeah, right so now. I've got about a half dozen really active buyers right now, maybe a little bit more than that. And a home comes on the market, and you look at like the app the where you schedule showings, and within hours, it's completely booked. Mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't even get to look at the house. In fact, some agents now are doing where you'll pull up the showings, and it'll say on there, multiple showings allowed. Like just a free for all, go I've for known it. And there could people, be dozens people, of offers. There could be 10, 15, 20 offers. I've known several people that have put houses for sale and they sold not within days, within hours. Hours. Have you seen this kind of thing before? And never, nope. I've been an never. agent for 17, going on 18 years. Never seen anything like it, not even close. So Brett, I mean, you're an economist. Uh, low interest rates, high prices, high demand. Um, you know, could this be a bubble or temp temporary? Because it's not just, I mean, housing prices are up in Seattle, Arizona, California. It's not just an Anchorage thing. It's a nationwide mm -hmm. uh, phenomenon right now. Yeah, well, if I knew that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. I'd be in the Bahamas. And <laughs> you could be like Michael Burry with yeah, ex exactly. uh, a big yeah. short. Done a, done a big short and uh, gotten myself out of here. Uh, no, um, you know, it's always, it's always hard to say, you know, and, and you always look at, you know, you could basically say at any point in the curve, like as, as things are riding up, all this has to be the peak, all this has to be the peak and keep riding for a long time and, and maybe never come back down or we could be right at the peak of it or on the downside. So it's always hard to say. Um, 
But yeah, I, I, but you look at, at kind of the fundamentals over the next year or so, um, people still have quite a bit of money in their savings accounts. Uh, there's been all this federal support that's come out. Um, and, uh, you know, for, for uh, both the unemployed people and if you'd stayed employed, uh, you probably didn't spend a lot over the course of the last year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of people had their student loan payments frozen. So that was kind of the boat that I was in. Um, so we had a bunch of extra uh, income saved over the last year from not having spent it. So, uh, yeah, you invested in your home or, you know, other kind of durable goods, things that you kind of, uh, you know, have around the house. And so, but yeah, looking out over the course of the next couple of years, uh, you know, the federal government's talking about a big infrastructure proposal uh, that might put further pressure on these commodity prices and, and kind of for, further spur demand uh, so, for some so, of the stuff. And labor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the labor um, as well. But yeah. and from like a macro level, like more savings, uh, still low housing interest rates, more money being spent. I mean, the budget's been we're at World War II spending levels. Yeah. Um, what, what are your thoughts about inflation, um, even if not? realized in the in the what the government admits i mean w what could happen to inflation when the government says there's not inflation but we see it in the form of prices and yeah. say you know people buying cars in venezuela for example to <laughs> it's low inflation but yeah i was looking at the uh was looking at the inflation report out from last month and what was really surprising about it was that most of the inflation most most inflation from uh from march to april was driven by the used car market uh, so I don't know if you dug into the, the April inflation report, but that was super interesting to me. And you kind of dig into what was driving the, the used car sales to really, uh, really drive the overall inflation rate. And apparently it has, it, you know, it's some combination of, uh, you know, all the rental car agencies kind of dumped their inventories at the end of last year. They got juked by demand again because uh, they thought that the pandemic was going to last a lot longer. So they don't have any uh, inventory to sell into the used market now. Um, and uh, new cars apparently are having trouble uh, getting manufactured because of uh, semiconductor ship shortages mm -hmm. because uh, everybody's trying to mine Bitcoin. <laughs> I, I know we're talking about housing, but I have a lot of friends who work in the car business and uh, it's so, I knew there was a shortage and I knew the rental car. I went to, I was curious, I went to um, Toyota, uh, Kendall, a couple days ago. I just didn't realize this. I live by there. I drove by. You, you go on the lot, there's no cars. Yeah. They have, they have right now one, as of a couple days ago, they had one new um Forerunner, or no, no, uh, one new um, t uh, Tacoma. Nothing else. The ones they did have are going for two to five thousand over MSRP, and the used cars are going for more than the new cars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have two this friends is all over the country. Yeah, rather mm -hmm. than trade their car in, they're renting them. Yeah, yeah. Like daily rentals. Turo's crazy Re right now. Re right. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, rather than turn their yeah. car and they're doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so Eric, so how, how, we talked about this earlier, but. How much land is there available in Anchorage that's not the boggy marshy land that we could build on? And, and, and what, what could the city be doing to help you? We're talking about permitting and- Yeah, other... yeah, definitely. Um, so I think something that plays well into this entire conversation is you know, the whole supply and demand. Like we need more housing in Anchorage. If you look at the housing needs analysis that the Muni put out, you know, it was the same before COVID as it is now. Like we need you know, thousands of new housing units in Anchorage. Um, just to kind of satisfy this demand that's going crazy right now. Thousands. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think 2040, the 2040 plan has all the information in it and I can't recall right off the top of my head, but we need a bunch of housing units. Yeah. So I look pretty much every day <clears throat> at um, not the whole municipality. I work the whole municipality, but I focus in Anchorage. So I pull up pretty much every morning. I do a circle and see how many homes are for sale in Anchorage. 
and we've only, it's 217 today, we've only broken that 200 mark like four or five times year to date. That's crazy. So there should be normally hundreds, four, 450, 500 homes. You were saying earlier that between like 200 and 500, there's, was that, who was saying that? Oh, the price, the, the price pr range. Over, yeah, over a certain amount, it's a little easier? Or? Yeah, between about 200 and say 200,000 200, and about 550,000. Um, it's, it's crazy. You list your house and it's going to sell. A little bit less so on the east side, a little bit. Um, and maybe the most in South Anchorage and downtown. But, um, but yeah, you, you list your house for sale and you're in that price range. And there's so many buyers that have been looking and missing out. Because if you think about a house goes up for sale and there's 20 offers, well, there's 19 people that are still looking for a house. You know, and that's so, what we're so seeing are, every day. Are these buyers, I mean, are these buyers, so during the COVID, a lot of people got laid off and stopped working. But a lot of people, they went work from home. Professional mm -hmm. people, engineers, lawyers, yep. maybe government workers. So uh, they weren't really, their income wasn't affected as much as somebody who was maybe working in a restaurant or- And a, like Brett said, they're making more in a way because they're not going out to eat. They're not getting their nails done. They're not getting their hair done. They're not, you know, all that's not, not going to concerts, not traveling. So you're, you're um, when somebody comes to you to, to, I mean, they come to you to say, I want to, I want to get the money out of the place, but I'm worried about buying a place. Is that a like because it's a catch yeah. 22? You sell your house, but then you have all this money, but then you want to buy a house and it's really high. Right, and that's what Brett and I were talking about. This market's kind of creating itself because I've got all these people that want to list, but they're afraid to list because what are they going to buy? There's nothing out there for them to buy, and that just kind of. The other thing I recently heard from an appraiser was they'll appraise a house, let's say for example, at 300,000, and this is for the banks to, to for the loan, but it'll sell for 330 because there's so much interest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then if they don't have an extra 30 grand cash or 40 grand to put down, then they can't get the loan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so there are um, between, I'd say, $250,000, $300,000, and maybe up to $600,000. If you're buying a house in that price range, you can't unless you have cash, period. You can't buy a house unless you have cash. Although I will say, um, not to do any plugs or anything, but Alaska USA just came back with the first um, zero down home loans in a long time. Wow. That, sound, that sounds like the housing oh, no. like, <laughs> Should I no have income? Said no income? Bubble. You said it wasn't a bubble? You do have to have a 720 uh, credit score. Yeah. So you have to, you have to have but I, so I think the, I, Talking about the previous housing bubble is an important a component of the, the reason that we're in the situation that we are now. Talking about how things, yeah. suppliers kind of got juked here, right? They, they have been very conservative since the previous housing crash. I don't know if this is your experience. 100%. Yeah. I mean, even from a municipal experience, uh, perspective like the amount of homes that we built during the previous administration guarantee the lowest amount of homes that we built during any previous administration so it's all of that stuff leading up to it we haven't been increasing supply like we should have been from a home building perspective and now all of a sudden the people that have kind of been holding off you know and interest rates dropped and they're like oh my goodness this is a really great time to buy the supply's not there. Stuff that we should have built, you know, five, ten years ago, isn't available. Mm -hmm. And part, of, like part of the part of the situation that we're in now is that you know the firms that survived the previous housing bust mm -hmm. were the ones that were playing it pretty conservative, and so they'll just continue to play that conservative mm -hmm. strategy and, and yeah. keep kind of low supply out. And so it's maybe not surprising that you know kind of across industries, the ones that had survived the last bust are, are playing were playing it a little bit safe back in March and April, and then realized that we were actually going to ride out a pretty big high. So yeah. Eric, besides permitting is a big thing, I, I yep. imagine, but is there anything else the city um, could be doing or sh maybe 
It's a market, right? So you, you want yeah, to be careful most the definitely. Uh, the I think much. the municipality has been kind of putting the onus on developers for a long time on um, you know improving public infrastructure, things like roads, stormwater, you know, pipes in the ground, that sort of thing has always been on the developer. There's other cities that have much more uh, broad-based approach where they do public-private partnerships, where they do tax credits and that sort of thing that kind of spur um, more investment dollars getting brought into their city. We haven't had those you know, kind of programs in the city right now. They have been doing some things with uh, the downtown tax abatement. Um, I think expanding that to the broader city, but then also you know, coming to the table with a little more investment um, putting in a road that's needed to increase access to, you know, areas up on the hillside, um, not putting requirements on a developer to, you know, replace a street and install a sidewalk when the municipality is mm -hmm. planning on replacing it in five to seven years anyways. There's just always been a black and white line in the sand that says, okay, if you guys want to do this development right now, you need to repave the street and you need to put in curb and gutter and you need to put in a sidewalk and you need to put it in a stormwater system. All that sort of stuff drives up housing costs and makes it less beneficial for a developer to actually put those units you know, on the market. I mean, where I live, I live in a condo. I've been there for, for eight years. I'm on the condo board for a long time. Mm -hmm. I'm the president. Mr. No, Press. No big deal. <laughs> um, but anyways, we have, we have the main road that goes through our association, which is a city road. But we have uh, Fairweather Park Loop that's mm -hmm. a private road. And being on the condo board, you know, years ago, I realized that that sewage part of the road, that's on us. That's our, so we're always kind of worried if something goes down. And I always wondered why, you know, I guess you don't want the city to take over for everything, but that's a, you know, a road that's a, essentially a public road and mm -hmm. there's houses there and we have to maintain the road, maintain the sewer. Is that pretty common? Is that, you sound like you said it's pretty common. Yeah, a lot of developments are, you know, condo or uh, housing associations where they'll, uh, will put in a private street and maintain the you know water and sewer and, uh, or the the street maintenance itself from that little development and to go back a little bit on what you said um with the burden being on the developers mm -hmm. i've worked I'm, i mainly do residential almost exclusively but um but i have worked with uh, commercial investors and developers that do a project here and say no thanks i'm going back to oh, yeah. utah i'm going back to indiana i'm going back to yeah because I know people right so now, they said here. they have money, they want to be able to invest in the city, but they're not because it's such a pain. Mm -hmm. And because the process is so long in the city, uh, it's, it's so dramatic when I was talking to some uh, builders and developers out in the valley. Somebody came up, has you know 20 some acres of property in the valley. It was February of this year, March. They're like, hey, let's put a plan together to subdivide this, put in a road, you know, get some lots out there and have people start building. A project like that in Anchorage would probably take a year to a year and a mm -hmm. half to just get through the permitting phase. They went from February making the decision to subdivide it, they're moving dirt already, putting in the road. That's months. And we don't have that ability in Anchorage the, the, right now. The, the Matsuburo Assembly for a long time since the COVID, they've been joking when they start their meeting. They say, we want to thank yeah. Anchorage for sending all these <laughs> folks to our restaurants and our businesses. Yeah. It's, um, so switching hats for a second, mm -hmm. you're the Anchorage Home Builders president. Correct. And you guys have been involved in hosting debates and talking about these issues. Um, do you have any hope or with the new administration, the new Anchorage mayor? Oh, yeah. Changing things? Or? Yep, definitely. I think uh, you know, there's been a lot of issues that we've been working over the last five years that we hope to get some resolution on. 
um, working with you know staff on changing some you know R2 height requirements. There's some just really um, I would say kind of stupid requirements in there that we're trying to get uh, changed. <clears throat> the other thing we're looking at doing is um, kind of increasing the ADU adoption. The municipality passed an ADU ordinance to kind of incentivize or those not those incentivize. Extra, dwell, extra yeah, dwelling units? Extra yeah. dwelling units um, just to get more housing units in Anchorage, whether somebody rents it out or it's more of like a multi-generational living type situation but kind of expanding those in a greater way that more people take advantage of them because I don't think that initial ADU ordinance took root like the city thought it was going to. Yes, speaking of the um, permitting, I, I don't want to say the names, but I have a friend who bought a property a couple years ago um, on the hillside and it was, it was, there's a road and there's like a side road or a driveway. They started building it and the city came in and they said, you have to pave this mm -hmm. whole strip of, it was several hundred feet um, at the cost of, it was like crazy. It was like half a million dollars. Oh my God. Yeah, they probably wanted to do it to municipal requirements. And, and, and further up the road, there was somebody else living there in a house that had been built a few years back, much more expensive. I'm just gonna say they knew some people and they didn't have the road requirement. So this person starts going to the permitting office, talking to the assembly. At some point we inquired about doing an article and all of a sudden the requirement went away. Mm -hmm. So it's exceedingly arbitrary that you know, you know, several houses don't have paved roads. This new house gets built. It's like, oh, you have to put in a paved road. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of on a per unit basis. And interestingly enough, there's actually a uh, policy that just came out probably two and a half, three weeks ago um, for you know, access to somebody's property through the municipal right of way. There's tons of lots up on the hillside where you actually have to drive down a municipal right of way to get to the house, right? The, municip the municipality hasn't put in a street or a road or any sort of ditching or anything like that. Um, with the previous administration, if you got over, I think it was like five lots, then you had to build the road to like municipal standards, which is crazy expensive compared to just putting in a 16 foot wide driveway mm -hmm. that's like wrapped or you know gravel with ditching on the side. So there's a policy out right now that allows you to you know build a 16 foot wide driveway in the municipal right away to actually access this lot, um, which should be pretty beneficial, open up definitely a few lots up in the hillside type area um, that won't be as crazy mm -hmm. as expensive mm -hmm. as the municipal requirement. So, July, I'm, I'm curious, how much do you think um, the pro proliferation of uh, like short-term rentals like Airbnb mm. have had an impact? I mean, do you work with buyers that are like, oh, this is great. I can rent out this basement on Airbnb and I'm willing to pay 10, 20, $30,000 more for this house because yeah. I know that I can rent this place out on Airbnb for... And yeah, so I'm just kind of... Um just experiencing this for the first time this year, really. I've sold um, this one lady, a couple a couple ladies that I've sold places to that they're Airbnb or uh, Furnished Finder, I think it's called. Mm. And, um, and when I inquired about doing it for one of my rentals, that's always been a long-term rental, I'm just inundated. I'm just like flooded with people saying, um, I, my past clients that I sold to saying, hey, you know, I've got 10 more, 10 people I turned down this week for mine, do you want them? Like, yeah, so that's, I'm just kind of learning about that this year, but it's huge. Don't other, uh, I know Hawaii is big on this, don't they? They're starting to charge or tax Airbnb and VRBO. We don't, we, do we do that? Are we, the bed tax thing, are we doing that? I don't know. 
I don't think we're I doing think that yet. A, Hawaii is, no, Hawaii is not messing around with this. Hawaii is not messing around with this. They thing. actually put a cap on it. They put a cap on the number of Airbnb units per, and I, I think they went off of you know residential housing units. There needs to be such a per, so much percentage of residential housing units in the district, and then they would allow you know X number of percentage of Airbnb permits. Like you actually have to have a permit number in Hawaii for your Airbnb. I think they also oh, wow. have to pay the bed, the uh, hotel bed tax. Yep. Which um, you know, I get mixed feelings on it's a market, but at the same time, you know, you're you're basically screwing up people's ability. I mean, you've seen other parts of the country where it's really hard to, I mean, because there's all these rentals happening. Um, it's really hard to buy a place for anything. California, for example, teachers can't, they're government subsidized because mm -hmm. the housing market's so high. So I don't think we're there yet, but the prices are going up. And I guess you wonder like what the, you know, the average income is and what's gonna happen in Anchorage in 10 years if we don't start building a lot more right. places, what's yeah. gonna happen with the market? And I think one of the reasons too that we didn't talk about um, with why there's more buyers right now is people can, so many people can work from wherever. I've got a couple um, moving up from Chicago that have wanted to live here for a long time, but never could. And um, yeah, they're, they're both, you know, work remote. So okay. that shift in our country of, you know, people leaving California because it's so expensive, moving to Boise, which is now actually getting to be crazy expensive. But anyway, um, that uh, shift is interesting. We've talked a lot about that in some podcasts I've done about this idea. We've always wanted to live, work, play. And we have people in California, Seattle, that are tech workers or and, you know, they want to be outdoors and now they can work remote. So attracting people, you know, that's where kind of downtown comes up. That's the thing everybody talks about for, I moved here in 04 and they're always talking about redoing Revitalizing downtown. downtown. And it doesn't mm -hmm. seem to change much mm -hmm. since I've been here, you know, you know 16 years. Is that something you're, you're working on? Do you do anything downtown or are you other parts of Anchorage? Uh, I have not done anything downtown, no. I haven't been really focused on that. It seems like if we had like a bunch of high-rise condos down there, we could mm -hmm. fill them up quick. I think so. It's kind of a chicken and egg problem, right? I mean, yeah. do you, and, and I know that, you know, they face this issue downtown is that there's not really services for residents downtown, grocery stores and that sort of thing. So do you build the grocery stores first and then oh, that yeah. attracts the residential units or do you build the residential units first, which creates the demand for the... What's that, the build, build it and they will come? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an economics uh, yeah. no-no, right? <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. And I think part of it, too, is kind of the branding of Alaska. Still, I think that, that Alaska still projects the last frontier wilderness uh, lifestyle to mm. you know, kind of the branding to the lower 48. But, you know, that's maybe not the most attractive proposition for the Silicon Valley folks that are like, well, do I want to live in, you know, Aspen or uh, Jackson Hole or mm -hmm. Boise? I mean, probably get a pretty similar lifestyle, maybe even slightly more urban in Anchorage than those yeah. places. But yeah. that's probably not the perception. I think the attraction of Anchorage, you can live here and in 30 minutes you can be you know, on one of the trails and yeah. an hour later you can be in a place that people th their whole life dreamed to see. Yeah. And that's, uh, but that goes back to the housing is how much are people gonna be willing to pay? Yep. Um, so July, what are you telling your clients or people that are interested in selling and then also the, like what are you telling buyers right now where the market's pretty? Yeah, so my biggest tip for buyers right now is if you're pre-qualified, say 400, 450,000, maybe don't be looking that high, go down, go down a little bit because pretty much everything's getting bid up. So yeah, oh. that's a good tip is um, if you want to buy a house. What about like me? So I had, you know, I put my condo for sale in 2016 and just to see if I could sell it. I ended up not selling it. But what I learned was if you ever put your house for sale, <laughs> these, these fucking realtors will call you <laughs> all the time and they'll say, hey, I saw your house was for sale five years ago. Do you want to? And I always tell, I joke with one of my legislator friends, make a bill to make them not call me. <laughs> and it's always like, hey, just wanted to see if you wanted to put it back for sale. 
And but this last time, somebody called me three weeks ago, and they said, "I saw your house was on the condo was on the market in 2016. Like I'm not interested. Don't want to sell it." He goes, "What if I have a buyer right now?" Yeah, because he probably did. And I was like, so I was thinking maybe one just went for sale, my similar unit for much higher than they've ever asked. And I was thinking maybe I sell it and take the equity out, but then I gotta like go live somewhere. Yeah. So that's the catch twenty two. Where do you do you sell and then wait, or do you do you wait for the market to go down and no, like you said. Prediction, no one knows. No one knows, yeah, there's no way to know. Yeah, it's um, it's crazy times. So I, I won't name names, but there is an agent. You can name names, sir. I'm not, I'm not going to, <laughs> I, really, I really like him. I really like him, wasn't happy to hear about this practice, but this is what um, I heard he's doing. He is calling, on behalf of his buyers, he's calling sellers and saying, you know, I see you just listed your house, my buyer wants it. Um, I'll make you this offer, in this case it was like 40 some grand over list price. Verbally, if you verbally agree to not deal with anyone else, I'll, I'll put it, I'll submit it in writing. <laughs> so. Ooh, that's a little shady. It's not the most ethical, I don't think, but um, again, I like the guy, so I'm not naming names. But yeah, so. And, and any advantage you can get in this market. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right, right, but so the other buyers that wanted to make offers in the house, you know, were, were told no. In this case, there was some, chatter behind the scenes. Um, anyway, I, I won't get too much detail. I, I think the other thing is if you, could, out, if you know somebody who's going to sell. But that's what's happening. If you know somebody who's going to sell, and I've had a few friends do this, they, they didn't even list it. Right. They just, they just, just bought it talking. private, you know, and they didn't list it. So there was. Yeah, that's how we bought our place the, two months ago. Was, so uh, it, so you, you just bought in this kind of market. Yeah. But it was an off the uh, market. But, so they, they were getting ready to list. And our, we did a, um, uh, a our, our agent was going to be their listing agent. And so uh, she brokered both sides of the deal. And, um, but yeah, it was a property that was going to get listed in the next couple of weeks. And um, yeah, I, I, I mean, it, was a, it was a hard decision. Cause I mean, I've been you know, watching these prices tick up and up and up and you know, we got the same information everybody else does. It's low interest rates. We've got quite a bit of savings. It was you know, kind of ready to buy our first place. And so we're like, well, we'll just bite the bullet. And I figured there's, you know, if, if we're in a bubble, you know, I was ready to, to, to eat some of it. And, uh, yeah, but you know, we'll see. I think prices are still going up and what was really surprising was the inventory. So we bought, we started looking seriously in February and what our agent told us was, you know, look, stuff will come up at, right, before, right before school and everybody will sell in the summer. Yep. But I guess that just hasn't happened. That it inventory just, just happened. didn't open yeah. know, this year. It's so bizarre. Like I said, in 17 years of doing this, I've never seen such low inventory. Well, and, requi uh, and, and if you don't have cash, you can't buy a house really right now. That's just. Bizarre. I think, I think it's something that I mean affects pretty much everybody, either renting or buying. And um, I guess you know we'll, we'll we'll end here. But you know, kind of closing thoughts, Eric. I mean, what are your? Do you have a optimistic or pessimistic view in the next five or ten years of of Anchorage's um, housing market? Yeah. No. Hopefully, we can uh, work with this next administration and get a few more homes built that uh, that we previously were. Uh, I think the outlook is definitely positive. Um, going back to the lumber perspective, uh, this conversation that we're having, everyone's having it around the entire United States. Yeah. Um, we just don't have the suppliers that have the ability to increase the production that we need. Um, OSB is one of the big you know, components that go into a house. It's your roof sheeting. OSB? It's OSB, yeah. It's your wall sheeting, it's oh. your floor sheeting, all that sort of stuff. Uh, we have enough OSB production in the United States to satisfy about like one, or in North America, to satisfy about like 1.3 to 1.35 million homes. Um, we're doing housing starts at 1.7 to 1.8 million houses per year. So 
I, it takes years Jeez. to stand up a new OSB press. Um, that if the demand keeps going, the prices are gonna keep increasing. I don't see prices going down anywhere near pandemic levels. I don't know, I, I would almost dare to say ever again, we're, we're talking about you know $350 per thousand board feet. Um, we're at like $1,700, $1,750 per thousand board feet right Jeez. now. It's um, like five times increase. They're, they're, they're having like the most long duration future contracts trading regarding lumber ever bought, in the history. I should have bought wood stocks. You should have bought ago. wood, no. yeah. I bought, I bought <laughs> Boeing and uh, Alaska Airlines, which yep. The bottom. I should have bought a lot more. A bit. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Um, demand has to subside in order for prices to reduce. So I, I don't see that happening anytime soon with interest rates continuing to be so low. Yeah. So July, to, to, to wrap up, you, you mentioned you sold the house with no appliances recently. That's another issue. Is I went to Home Depot uh, last year to do a water heater thing, and the little float deal, whatever. Like we couldn't find any. Yeah. And then I realized I was talking to the Home Depot guy. All this stuff is like not available for, for building. Yeah, yeah, so I've got a little tip on that that I learned from some recent clients of mine, um, Ariel and James, clever guy. He used to work at Lowe's, and so he knew that there's like return items and maybe gently dented or something like that, items in the back. So Oh yeah, like Best Buy has like, you know, TV was returned, it's like open box items. So, yeah, 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 open box items, mm -hmm. yeah. So like for people that are in that situation, go check out the the Home Depot, the Lowe's, and see if they have some open box stuff. But my my overall <clears throat> that I tell people is this maybe isn't the time to like buy a house and flip it. But if you're buying your family home, you know you're you're going to be there eight, ten years. Does it really matter if you're buying at the high of the market? Not really. Not yeah, not good... not when you're looking at long term. Um, I was going to ask Brett. I, I, I joke I love is you never meet a one-handed economist. Because there's always on the other hand. But, um, I mean, what, what are your? You, you study this stuff pretty close. Uh, what are your kind of thoughts about the you know next five or ten years? Oh, five to ten years. Uh, well, so you know, in Anchorage, it's, I have been just surprised at the resilience of the housing market here. Um, I thought that you know the BP exit was going to cause a housing price correction. A lot of people left, yeah. And I, I mean, we really didn't see it. Uh, mm -hmm. Housing prices continued to stay pretty steady. Um, and so, you know, I had kind of been uh, incorrectly predicting the Anchorage housing market downturn for, for the last couple of years, and so I'm cautious to make sort of uh, down market predictions. I think I'll, I'll uh, adopt Eric's optimism and, and look, uh, look to a bright future. Of I'll adopt it too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. same here. Direction. Yeah, that's right. So Bronson just had a, a press conference uh, earlier and he announced some new people for his administration. So July 1st. and. I guess yep. it'll probably take a few months, but maybe we'll do an update here next fall and we can kind of see where things yeah. are. Maybe we'll get him on too. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Sounds we got, great. <laughs> we got the cutouts still from the, <laughs> from, the, from the debate. Well, I want to thank you guys all for coming. So July Leslie, Elite Real Estate Group, Eric Visser, Visser Construction, and the president of the Anchorage Home Builders. Yep, thank you. And Brett thank Watson you. from uh, University of Alaska and the Institute of Social and Economic Research. I didn't realize, I knew Iser had a lot of people, but I went to the, there's a lot of people there, isn't there? Yeah. I thought there was like five or ten. There's a lot more than that. Well, let's it's see. Uh, I am uh, just one of a couple of economists now, but... Um, you have a PhD, right? Yeah. Pretty young. How old are you? 30. <laughs> I feel I'm 36 and I don't have that. You got to go get a keep PhD, working. Jeff. It's, it's fine. That's another bubble is the yeah, yeah. uh, college yeah, you know, pe loans. People and, call you doctor. Yeah. It's, it's fun. Right, that's great. <laughs> well, I really want to thank you guys for coming in. I want to thank Scott thank and you. Carolyn for doing mm -hmm. the live stream. Jensen Hall, they're, they're here in our new studio partners. 
And um, you know, we're going to be doing a lot more live streams. The, the plan is to um, probably fall and make this a more regular thing. But in the meantime, we're going to be doing uh, kind of infrequent live streams, politics, business, um, have different folks on the panel. So I want to thank our panel, Scott and Carolyn, for being here. And again, GCI, uh, love that GCI for uh, sponsoring um, the, the, uh, the live stream. So stay tuned for the next live stream and, and stay tuned or check out our Facebook and our, our um, uh, Twitter and um, website for more updates and more information about future live stream events. So thanks for tuning in and I will see you next time. Landline.